Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. The Women's Football Show. With Leanne Sanderson. Absolutely first class. On TalkSport 2. This is TalkSport's Women's Football Show podcast. I'm your new host, Leanne Sanderson, bringing you loads of exclusive content. We'll be here every week with the very best of the show. Don't forget you can listen back to the full women's football show via the TalkSport app. This week we're on Monday at 10pm, so swipe for TalkSport 2, find Monday and you can listen in full then. I was joined this week by NWSL and New Zealand legend Ali Riley as she prepares for a new season at Angel City in sunny California. Ali, good morning from Los Angeles. How are you? Leanne, there's only one person I've been interviewed this early in the morning for, and it is you. Thank you for having me, and congrats on the new gig. This is so awesome. I know. I'm so excited. Can we just tell everybody what time you woke up to do my show? Well, 6.45. 6.45 in the morning. It might not be early, but for me, that's early, especially when Leanne said you might be filmed. <laughs> you look great, and when people see this, they'll know that you look. You always look great. But obviously, you know, you and I, I want to tell everyone a little story about when we last saw each other. It was for the NWSL Championship Final in sunny San Diego. And I was sitting in a jacuzzi and I all of a sudden felt this gust of wind next to me that was like Usain Bolt. And I saw you running sprints along the beach, along the sidewalk. And I was like, wow, she's still incredible. Like, how do you keep going? And then you, I think I cut your fitness like short because then you came and spoke to me for a bit and then like but how do you keep going how do you do this well honestly I do have to give my parents some credit I think I am I am lucky I think my parents are both were both are both really great athletes and I think they've contributed to the longevity of my career and you know at this age, I just have to take really good care of my body, including running when I'd rather rather be sitting in the jacuzzi with a cocktail. So I'm just, I love the game so much. I want to play as long as possible. I, I am excited about what comes next, but I do still feel like being in the game as an active player is where I'm supposed to be still right now. So I'm going to do everything I can to to stick with it and these young players we just signed a 16 year old of course that motivates me to yeah to keep running and chasing these children and <laughs> I don't know I also it's important to me to be able to 
pass on some of my experiences and just kind of prepare them for the incredible experience they're going to have as the game grows. But just want to stay in it as long as possible. It's changed so much, and this is the time to be in women's football. So, yeah, I just do everything I can to take care of this body. And the game, honestly, is so lucky to have you. Like, you are such an incredible role model, and you lead by example. And I think... You know, this leads me to my next question. Pre-season started for you yesterday. You've done your physicals. You, do you still get those butterflies, you know, the night before that I used to get when you think, when are the fit? no matter how many times you do the fitness testing, you still get those nerves and everybody talks about when it's coming. Is that still a thing that everybody says, oh, it's coming on Tuesday and it ends up being Wednesday and you get there and everybody's like nervous still. Do you still get those butterflies the night before pre-season? I do. I think for me, it's less now about the physical aspect. I think I've, I've finally accepted that, especially, you know, I, I had a, an injury, um, something lingering this off season. So I'm going into this really like just having done rehab and strength and not a lot of conditioning. So this will be a, a humbling experience, I think, going into a preseason like this. And so I think the last few years I've, I've had to let go of that and we have some incredible athletes, well, in the game, but especially in this league where, you know, I used to consider myself pretty fast and pretty fit. And I think some of some of these players are, are putting me to shame. But I think for me, it's the excitement and the nerves around just a new season and meeting new players. And even if now I am a player who's been here the longest because the club has only existed for two seasons, it's still, you know, new players coming in and I want them to feel impressed and welcome and I want us to have that camaraderie and those the culture side is so important to me. And so I get really, yeah, kind of nervous and um, excited about especially new players. And I mean, I still think back to two years ago when I was coming in, when it was Angel City's first ever preseason and we were at Pepperdine. So the view... The oh, Pepperdine's lovely. Natalie Portman, name drop. Do you want to pick that name up off the floor? <laughs> I'm telling you why I was there. No, I know, I know, I know. Natalie was there. Were you know gorgeous views of of yeah the Pacific Ocean up on this mountain, and it's the first ever season, and you don't know. You know I never met Freya in person, and I didn't know any of my teammates really, really well. And you want to impress, and you want to start working towards getting playing time, like all of those things just start swirling in your head. So I think it's a little bit different year three, but of course I still have the same feelings about wanting to do my best. Whilst I've got you on it, it'd be rude of me not to ask you some of your best players you play with. We've never actually played together, which is kind of crazy, but I played against you enough times and you always, you always play for the best teams because you're one of the best players. But I want to get your opinions. Who are the top three players? Cause I know I'd have been in with this one. Top three players that you played with. I have a feeling I know one of them. Can I guess one of them? As Marta's the, the easiest player that comes to mind. I think she's the greatest player ever um, in our game. I think seeing her, hearing her speak again at the, at the awards, having finally an award for a women's goal and to have it be the Marta Award, I think is so fitting. It's long overdue, but it is so fitting. I think she could do things that no one else could do um, when she broke out on the stage and really put Umio on the map. And I think having her in in Sweden and getting to know her there, speaking Swedish with her, I just have the most amazing personal memories of our time together and our relationship. And 
along with that is I saw her in training every single day. So I'm not just, and, and you, you hear this when you hear players speaking about their teammates who now were on the World 11, and it gives you another perspective. Yes, we're a little bit biased because they're our teammates, but it helps you give an insight into what they are like every single day, the six days of the week that no one else gets to see them. And she worked so hard and she was so professional and she would run back on defense, which is not something you expect from a, a world star, uh, the best number 10 in the world. Um, and she would do her amazing attacking, I mean, her footwork and everything, but her work ethic to get back. And again, just she was the first player I ever saw little boys come up to in restaurants and hotels and airports. And for me, that just, she is an icon. Um, okay, you've, you've given me, you've given me one, right? So I'll let you run away with one. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you now, best play you've played against. <clears throat> really, really hard. Um, I think, and again, remember, there's been the different, yeah, different generations. I'm like, oh, are we talking WPS? There was this woman who tried to sprint by me and I was tackling her. That was Leanne Sanderson. She had the hair. Um, I think, you know, Sam Kerr, we've had so many battles playing for New Zealand kind of when she came. Again, I'm really, really aging myself here, but I remember her really being this, this young player and seeing where she is now. And I think she's been so threatening and, and brought something kind of unique. I thought it was it was the same playing against Abby Wambach. Again, she's two heads taller than me. Just, there's some players who, for different reasons, are so hard to defend. It could be speed. You've got someone like a Lauren James, who I haven't played against yet, or Sophia Smith, um, a Lynn Williams, who just their speed when they get going as a fullback, you're like, oh, shit. And then you have players who have the, like, are so dynamic in the air. And I think someone like Sam Kerr has a lot of those qualities and just is very, her movement in the box, it's just torture to defend someone like that. Um, and honestly, I have to also shout out Christine Sinclair. Um, again, it's so hard to compare when there are so many great players. And, you know, I've been playing for a long time, but again someone with that type of finesse who has scored so many goals who has different a huge skill set and again is so humble and is a really good teammate and works really really hard those are the players who are always going to have such an impression on me and and when they can do it for so many years that's you know going back to martin to sink um i just think what makes a really great player or the best player that i've played against or with and it's someone that when they leave the game, the game will be truly, I mean, changed for what they've done. And also you won't find another player like them maybe ever. And again, the game has changed a lot. So that's where Barta and, and Sink might have a little bit of an advantage there because now the defending is different. The style is different. A lot of players can run up and down the field and do incredible things. But I think what they've done in, in their long, long careers I don't know if anyone will, will be able to do again. All right, Ali. Well, even though you didn't say me, I'm willing to keep you on my show. So thanks for your answers. After a winter break that seemed to last forever, the WSL returned at the weekend. So Ali and I broke down all the results, starting with Chelsea's victory over Manchester United women. League leader Chelsea hosted last year's runners-up, Manchester United, at Stamford Bridge. 
Having had a rocky start to the season, United knew they needed to win to keep any title challenge alive. But Chelsea had other ideas. It took less than five minutes for Lauren James to find the back of the net, sliding it past Mary Earps at the back post. She doubled Chelsea's lead in the 23rd minute after she capitalised on a perfectly placed ball from Natalie Bjorn. Manchester United managed to pull one back just before the break with a smart finish from Hayley Ladd. And the visitors visitors looked close to finding an equaliser on a few occasions after half-time. But in the end, it was James who put the game to bed. She completed her hat-trick in the 85th minute using a sheer pace to lose her defender and send it past Mary Earps at the far post again for her hat-trick and her third goal of the game. An outstanding performance from an outstanding player which keeps Chelsea top of the WSL. Disappointing for Manchester United, Charlotte spoke to manager Mark Skinner after the match to find out what he thought went wrong. I felt that first half we were slow even though we talked about being quick. Um, I felt that we were too, maybe a little bit too eager to try and press Chelsea. It looks like we weren't, we were too eager so we're, they're pulling us out and playing through. And then they had two runners on their tens and we, we just needed to get mindset quicker. Uh, I thought after that, once, it, once we'd settled, uh, I thought we were better towards the second end of the first half and the better team. And then second half, I thought the better team. They, they've countered and scored really poor goal from our perspective. It's a, it's a maturing thing as a group we have to make because one header, one flick on, they're through on goal. And the difference was, I, I feel, in the game. Lauren goes through and scores. We have a chance where Hayley can lift it over the goalkeeper. And Hayley did great, by the way. Scored. Um, but we have to take that chance. And then I still believe it's a penalty regardless. I think the momentum of the player takes her past defender and there's a nudge in her, uh, her off, off balance is her left arm. She can't now strike the ball. It's a foul. It's a big decision, a big point big in the decision. game as well. Big decision. And from my perspective, um, last year we had two big decisions didn't go at Kings Meadow that were later apologised for. And that for me is like... you. If we're expected to step up as a big team and so are Chelsea, then, then everybody has to step up as a collective. Have you spoken to the referees? I'm, I'm about to, and I'm about to have that conversation because she said she wants. She said she'll see me inside, so I'll have that conversation with her. What did you say to the team at the break? Because, like you say, you ended that first half really strongly. I suspect you probably wanted to keep the game going after you'd uh, half the deficit, but you looked completely different in the second half. Well, we, we said what we... We just agreed again on what we'd said. So we, we matured our shape. So what I mean by that is... Chelsea wanted us to press everything so they could go through and isolate our back line. Just stay patient. Chelsea are not a team that play through you. They're a team that play over you and around you. So staying compact allows you to now pick off their sloppy passes. And first off, we didn't do that. We jumped on everything. There's big spaces. And I think that's a maturing thing for my team. And we just agreed. Before the game, we agreed an attitude, experience, what we've learned against Chelsea, and then energy. And we just applied them again. And it's just that sometimes it's the simplicity of the message. Patience in the press and the simplicity of the three conversations we had beforehand. And that was the difference. Our team are more than good enough to compete this level. What I'd say is I want to continue to grow the depth of our team and quality because I compare the, 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 the squads and our every player in our squad is, is quality, but we don't have enough of it. And Chelsea, if you compare it to that, we've got to get to that level if we want to compete. That's a very honest take from United boss Mark Skinner there. Manchester United remain in fourth place despite that loss, but they're now 10 points off leaders Chelsea. No team has ever won the WSL after losing more than two games in a season. Ali, is that Manchester United's title hopes over now? And if so, how do they react knowing they have to adjust their goals for the season? Oh, I think 
the gap is definitely getting bigger than they would like. I think instead of focusing on maybe the title race, even even getting into that Champions League playoff spot, I just think you have to go game by game now. They have they have the quality, and there are a couple build up errors from Chelsea that. If they had capitalized off of it, would have been a completely different game, and that's something I felt watching a few of the games this weekend. That the difference sometimes between the top teams and the bottom teams is like who can capitalize off of their chances because the chances are coming in in all the games. But I think regrouping from that, especially playing such a high line against someone like Lauren James, I think it's just going to be having to be a little bit smarter and maybe adapting the defense to the strikers you're playing against or the style of the team you're playing against because I do think that they have the quality and they they did show it in moments but I just think Lauren James feels inevitable right now I think she looks so good so dangerous and of course I I get as someone with a Swedish passport I get very proud seeing seeing my Swedes excel at this on that stage at Stamford Bridge, like you, you, Vinny Connerud and Bjorn, and I do miss seeing Magdalena Eriksson in blue, but it was it was a good performance. That game finished three one to Chelsea against Manchester United. On to my next game, Manchester City five, Liverpool one. Manchester City were looking to stay within three points of leaders Chelsea as they took on Liverpool at the Joy Stadium. An early shock saw Liverpool go ahead thanks to a wonder strike from captain Taylor Hines. But it wasn't to last. Gemma Bonner, Gemma Bonner gifted City an unfortunate own goal under pressure from Bunny Shaw. And Shaw then went on to pick up her own hat-trick thanks to a low-range strike, a header and a smart back kill. Chloe Kelly wrapped things up by dispatching a cool penalty after Lauren Hemp was floored by the Liverpool keeper, Tegan Micah, who was lucky to avoid a red card. But there was controversy over whether the foul was inside the box or outside the box. TalkSport's Joe Shannon caught up with the woman of the hour, Bunny Shaw, to find out how she felt about scoring her third hat-trick in her last four WSL games. Bunny, 5-1 win and a hat-trick. Is that pretty much a perfect day? Yeah, I would, I would say so. We um, scored a lot of goals. Uh, we could have had more today, but overall, I think we worked really hard today. Um, the attacking players tried to you know, do the best that we can to help the team. And I think today was one of those days where you know we... We played well, we scored a lot of goals and yeah, we got the two points. And it's another hat-trick for you. You can't stop scoring. Is this the most you've ever enjoyed your football in, in a single season, do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at a good level. Um, I just keep working hard every day in training and build the connections with the players around me. And yeah, like I said, the chances will come and it's just about me being patient and being the right places and the right moment for when they come. And you're halfway through the season, three points behind Chelsea. What, 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 what do you think it will take to keep up with and, and overtake Chelsea? What, what do you think it could take to win the title this season? I think about being consistent because when we look at the first half of the season, I think in some of the games we let ourselves down. Um, but um, yeah, we started the, the year strong and it's about just keep being consistent off the back of last season, we've had some big results, but then in other games, we we didn't quite get it right and we would drop points um, in the last minute. So I think coming into this year, it's just about being consistent. And I think um, we've done that now um, throughout the back of the end of last season. Ali, what a performance from Manchester City to beat a team like Liverpool, who have been playing really well, by such a large margin and it is a testimony to their quality right now. 
I I was just yeah pretty floored by all the goals and the different types of goals and I thought Chloe Kelly's deliveries were so so good and there could have been more goals and I also think that again what kind of sets some of the top teams apart is an early goal against it doesn't shake them they know they're going to score and then score again and so I think, yeah, Bunny Shaw is a very fun player to watch. Her movement in the box is a defender's nightmare. Um, creates own goals. goals. Um, so, yeah, it was a pretty dominating performance, that's for sure. Yeah, 5-1, I would say pretty dominating. On to my next game, which is my former club, Arsenal. Two, Everton won. Arsenal also maintained their title hopes thanks to a 2-1 victory over Everton. They stay third in the table, level on points to Manchester City, but behind on goal difference. Caitlin Ford's ninth-minute opener was cancelled out by a long-range Katia Schnoozes, but it was Beth Mead to the rescue, who headed home an excellent Leah Walty cross to restore their lead and grant Arsenal the three points. Despite the ACL injury, Beth Mead looked in unbelievable form and is back on the pitch, already making a difference to Arsenal. Leah Williamson looks like she's available for the next weekend too. Ali, how much more dangerous could Arsenal be if we start to see the return of half of their squad who have been out with injuries? I mean, it's U.S. is spoiled for choice. There are so many good players on that team. And now with more and more coming back, I just think that the key will be finding the right combination. Who's going to come in and make an impact? Who's going to, you know, be able to play from start? Who's the freshest? Because they have so much talent on that team. And I thought the combinations between Beth Mead and Miedema, just it's so fun to watch. Some of their... They're not just the build-up, but they're combining in the middle and final third. It's just beautiful football. And so it's nice when, again, it was probably closer than they had hoped, but it's nice when that type of football gets rewarded with a win because you want the title race to be exciting, even if, of course, I, I was a Chelsea girl. Um, I do want to see see some drama as kind of a someone watching from afar. And I think Arsenal is, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, Man City looked so good too, but... Just that, that big three, I think it's fun to keep the excitement alive. But now I do think with, yeah, Leah comes back and I think that will make her teammates also. It, you saw when when Allie Krieger was going through something personal and also retiring, same with Megan Rapino. I just think your teammates also just like adds this other energy and no one needs extra motivation, but there's just something when you play for your teammates and they come back, just as the person coming back when your teammates are so happy for you. I feel like very interesting to see Arsenal now in the second half of the season. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great 
great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. My next game is Brighton 3, Bristol City 2. We were treated to a five-goal thriller as Brighton finally emerged as victorious over Bristol City. Bristol City had twice come from behind and it looked as though the points would be shared at the Broadfield Stadium. But there were mere seconds left on the clock when Elizabeth Turland broke the visitor's heart as she struck the ball in off the bar for her second goal of the game. Turland also became Brighton's all-time leading scorer in the WSL with those goals. And she spoke to Ian Abrahams about what that achievement means to her. First of all, well done today. Um, you said you didn't realise you were that close to breaking the record. No, I didn't. <laughs> but yeah, that's cool. <laughs> you, you've scored quite a few goals since you arrived at Brighton, though. Yeah, I mean, my I'm a striker and one of my jobs is to score goals. So, But I'm not really focused about numbers and and things like that. For me, it's just important to, to help the team. Uh, and there's different parts in the game as well than scoring goals. Uh, but of course, as a striker, you want to score goals. You want to be on, on the target a lot. Uh, and hopefully that helps winning games like this. And that's what I want to do. Ian also caught up with two managers, Melissa Phillips and Lauren Smith, and asked them about the high numbers of goals that are being scored in the WSL each week. Every team does have a really a marquee striker, whether that is Bunny or Beth England or, or Terry. Um, and it does make games exciting. I think one of the most exciting pieces about the Women's Super League is there's goals all the time. There's goals most games. Like It's very difficult to get a clean sheet in this league and something that we're all striving to do. But yeah, it's, it's an exciting league for that aspect, which is always good for the growth of the game. Forwards are really important, aren't they? You know, they've they've got a lot of pressure on them. Uh, Turland, in particular, has had a phenomenal season so far, and I think the the first one that she buries today is a great strike. You know, we've gifted her the ball, but ultimately, the, what she does after that to get it in the back of the net is is slide it through three players and the goalkeeper. So, you know, fair play to her. Um, and then same our end. Hopefully, we'll be able to to create more opportunities. And if it does become a I'll beat you by one kind of league, then we've got to be prepared for that. If nothing else, that's entertaining and that will get people, more people coming through the gates to watch it. I mean, you know, listen, no, you want to win one nil. I want to see 5-4. Same goal difference, but... Yeah, I mean, I'd win 5-4 if that was what it took. You know, it was entertaining. It might just make me a bit greyer, but uh, I would take it. Ali, 26 goals scored this weekend in WSL. These two hat-tricks and the brace from Turland really stand out. Is the high number of goals a testament to the skill of the strikers in the league or a reflection of the lack of defensive quality? I have a feeling what you're going to say, being a defender. <laughs> it is so, so funny being kind of this uh, unbiased third party watching these games. You want goals. It's the same. I hate penalty shootouts, but if you're watching it on TV, it adds a lot of excitement, that's for sure. And uh, being a defender, I think 
there are some world-class defenders in this league, so I am absolutely not going to take away from that. I think, yeah, arguably some of the best defenders in the world play in, in the Barclays WSL. So I do think, though, that the level of the striker, you have some set-piece specialists. I mean, Christy Mewis comes in and puts a beautiful free kick in on a dime. That just means that the defending is also going to have to be more focus and I think more specific to again what type of striker are you playing against what style does the team you're playing against play and sometimes it does feel naive and again it's not the individual defending I see these players going to ground not turning their backs blocking the first shot but then what happens when you have these strikers who are so hungry or you have so many attacking players in the box like we saw one of the Chelsea goals where is the next person going to block? Because these players, like Rachel Daly's goal, even this one here with Turland, it's a follow-up. The first chance is blocked, but then they get up and are able to score again. So it's like, yeah, I just think the, the defending, more like the strategy is going to have to change when you have now these strikers and the, the offensive plays that are so good. But really looking across all of the games, the goals are being scored in many, many different ways. So again, it's not like, oh, like what Marta used to do. You know, it's not like players are dribbling past defenders left and right and leaving them, breaking their ankles. It's really coming from so many different things. And something I noticed, which you might think I'm very, very um, crazy for this, but so many of the goals started from an attacking throw. I was just about to say, right, because you're talking about this, don't you think the game has changed? Because I'm just thinking this, as you were saying, where you have to think about more so the what next. When I played for England, I used to say, what next, what next? And I used to think, here we go again. But it's almost like you don't want to commit so many players forward at the depth. You're already thinking, I don't want to get conceded on. Do you find that the game's changed in that way? I think it's changed in that the, the offensive players or the attacks more you're throwing more players for i mean it's cat and mouse yes but players as a think about how the fullbacks play now yeah so many players attacking so i'm not saying then you shouldn't also put play, players forward when your own team is attacking but you have to be ready for the counter you have to be reading the game it's the same when you know that there's so many players in the box and you're defending you have to if someone goes up for block you have to be compact to make sure that you win the second ball and it's the same with these throw-ins. It's like, oh, okay, this team, they just have a throw-in, it's not dangerous. But no, if you're not focused and turned on in that moment, they switch the ball, get a cross in, and then all of a sudden you've conceded a goal. And I think to add to that, when now there are these overloads going on, I don't think you can just compact the box necessarily. I think if there are two players on the wing or two players taking a corner, I think you have to send two. Yeah. Now, if you give players too much time, they will put balls in on a dime and even Leah Velti, she gets so much time the ball like the accuracy the players now are so skilled and I just think have the resources and the coaching and it's just that the level of some of the things that we love working on the shooting the set pieces all of those things are improving and maybe then that same attention has to be put in into like your recovery runs reading the game set pieces including throw-ins so yeah i just 
but then again, watching it is fun when there's a lot of goals. Yeah, I agree with you. And the next game, Leicester against Aston Villa. Aston Villa held on against Leicester in a nervy game. They looked like they were lucky to come away with a 1-0 win in the end. It was Rachel Daly's 16th minute goal that proved the difference in the end. The England striker did well to control the ball from a corner and bury it into the bottom corner. Villa now sit in 7th place. They've managed to revive this season after a dreadful start. Ali, what happens when, you know, Leicester started the season really well, were top of the league, and now, you know, they're really struggling at this moment in time. What happens when something, how do they regain confidence from this? It's so hard. The games are so competitive and they were in it, you know. I think, I do think that Aston Villa had the upper hand. They could have scored more goals. I liked the Daly and Lyon um, combinations up there. I really did. Um, and my dear friend, CJ Bott, she, she wasn't playing that game, but she plays for, for Leicester City and Oh, for these teams that are kind of in the middle and, and not necessarily facing relegation, but not inching towards the top, you know, Everton has kind of had, like, feels like they've kind of stalled a little bit in the past couple of seasons. But I just think, again, it's it's being able to have confidence in your coach's vision or, you know, being able to develop at those clubs because you certainly still can. And having tough competition, even if you're losing – the, the level in the WSL is so high. I believe, I do think it is the best league quality-wise in the world from top to bottom. I would say the NWSL is the most competitive league. The top to bottom is all very, very close. But I think watching the tactical understanding and, and the goals and, and yeah, just I, I think there's so much quality on every team, but not every team is going to be able to win. And I think those middle teams, it's for those players, again, how can I maybe create history for one of these clubs that doesn't have the same resources potentially as, as the big three, the big four, the big five, but how can I also develop as a player to, you never know, you can get signed. I think players, they play on some teams and the dream is to be playing for a Chelsea or an Arsenal or a Man City and so I just think there are so many reasons still to be working hard and still trying to push. And again, at this point in the season, nothing is done. Nothing is done. You never, you never know. Um, and so I think just to keep the higher you finish on the table, the more likely you are for your club to sign players who are like, ooh, we can taste it. We're right there. Could we be first top five? Then can we get in top three? Like it, it's building, you know. And I know that now, being you know, going from clubs who have these long traditions and histories to now being at a club that just started and is startup, and we're trying to build. And yeah, just making the playoffs for some people would be like, oh, there's six teams in the playoffs, finishing fifth. Like, is that something to be super excited for? But Absolutely. A year ago, we didn't make the playoffs and now we did. And now we want to, you know, we want to be in contention for the championship. So I think if you have that positive thinking and again, just keep building towards something, I just think that it doesn't go unnoticed. And whether that means a future contract or it means the club doing better the next season or more players wanting to come to your team. I just think, again, you have to just keep pushing and sometimes it doesn't always feel good but I, yeah there's so much to be gained I think yeah for sure and there could have been an argument here we've left the best game till last it was an absolute thriller seven goals West Ham three Tottenham four 
Tottenham travelled to West Ham on Sunday evening looking to restart their WSL campaign in the form they finished back in December after beating Arsenal 1-0 at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Whilst West Ham were looking for three points to stretch the gap from Bristol City at the bottom of the table. Despite the goals from Shimizu, Asayi and Tyslak, it still proved not enough to win the game. It was finally Tottenham who stole the points with two goals from Grace Clinton and one from Salim Bazette and the winner from Jess Naz. Ali, it was an absolutely incredible game, but talk to me a little bit about Grace Clinton. She just epitomises why loans are so important, doesn't she? I was exhausted watching this. Um, very exciting. And yeah, I just think that I love those players who work so hard and create their own luck. And like the excitement of this game and again the mentality of both teams to just feel like they're in it the entire time um but i i thought the goals were really good again i will say five out of seven started from an attacking throw-in very bizarre um beth england did have a couple chances that i think could have could have changed the the score line and, and changed the feel of the game especially at the end but yeah i think clinton was was so impressive and oh it's just so hard not to feel like oh, maybe a tie would have been fair, you know, when, they, when it was so close. But it was so competitive. And again, it just shows the level of, of the league. And the, the headlining games are going to be the Chelsea games, the Arsenal games. But you have a game between these two teams who are fighting to be considered, you know, top teams. And, and that's, you see that motivation there where, okay, might not be in the top three, but you just get to feel watching a game like this that anything is possible. And you feel like they're fighting for a championship watching this. We also heard exclusively from Manchester City and England midfielder Laura Coombs after I caught up with her last week to chat all things club and country. I just want to start by talking a little bit about your journey into football, obviously, regards to you've been at Arsenal, Chelsea, went on loan to Barnet. And I think people often see, you know, when people are at the top thriving, they see, they don't see the journey that's come before. So talk to me a little bit about your journey of where you're at now, obviously, thriving at Manchester City. I think it's it's really weird because I've had so many ups and downs, but I think just the love of football always just keeps me going, I think. And because it started as a hobby, you know, like same, same few years ago, like I, I'm still yet to think of it as like just purely a job. And I think if it was a job, the lows would kind of get to you a little bit, but um, I, it, all it takes for me is just to have like a really good training session and any, any like bad thoughts that I had, it just resets me and like the love just comes flying back really. So, Coombsy, your situation was quite unique. You had eight years between your caps. And obviously, I love your story. It's remarkable because it goes to show you that if you have to keep going at it, ultimately hard work always pays off. But talk to me a little bit about that call up to the World Cup squad and that feeling of how you felt during that moment. Yeah, it's, I, it's hard because I really had put England to the back of my mind. It Obviously, it had been eight years, I thought, the squad now is a lot younger. I thought Serena wanted youth. I thought I wouldn't really have a chance. Um, and although people were saying, oh, you're, you're scoring, you're doing well, you might be with a shout, I didn't ever really want to get my hopes up. So I didn't ever think about it. So when I did get the call, I was over the moon, but I was I was a little bit shocked um, just for the reasons I said. And um, yeah, it just gave me 
clarity kind of that everything I'd done was for a reason and I was going to get an opportunity to shine on an international level. And you mentioned about scoring. Obviously, you're coming off the back of scoring a really good goal against Durham. I love that little volley that you did. Is that something that you've been working on this season? You want to get more goals added to your tally? Yeah, we've got um, Sean Goethe. He's coming, um, helping our manager. And he's literally every day. He takes me out. We do finishing um, literally every day. And I think I'm really starting to see... Uh, the, the the progress of that really in games I feel so much more comfortable in front of goal and confident when I do get chances and yeah it just comes from a and lot you of mentioned practice. there about Sean Goethe I remember they used to sing feed the goat and he will score he was a top striker and so I think having that kind of expertise and those ex-pros to give you that type of guidance I think is absolutely top Talk to me a little bit about Gareth Taylor, obviously, at Manchester City. You've been there for a long time now and you've seen a lot of players come and go. A lot of my former teammates, Sam Lewis, Rose Lavelle, Abby Dolkamper, you've seen them all come and go and you're a mainstay on that team now. So talk to me a little bit about Gareth Taylor's man management and what it is you love about being at Manchester City. Uh, when he first came in, he he brought, obviously, his Man City philosophy with him. Obviously, he came from the academy and... I, I really liked his style of, of play and his style is very black and white really and I'm someone who loves to learn. I like to watch things back and see where I can do better and to be honest, as the years have gone on, I've just learnt more and more of how how his style and how he wants to play and I'm, you know, hopefully reaping the rewards of that now. Obviously it has been five years, so um and yeah, obviously playing with some amazing players over the years, the level in training is top and you're always going to do well off the back of that. Now on to the World Cup. I want to hear how you felt when obviously Serena comes to you and says, when Kira Walsh goes down injured, you come on against Denmark. I know you're the type of player that would have been working so hard to just get picked for that squad. And then to come on against Denmark under those circumstances, talk to me a little bit about you know what was going through your head when that moment happened. Yeah, I, I remember I well, there was a few of us subs. We'd just literally routinely been sent out to do a bit of a warm-up behind the goal. Saw Kira go down and I thought, well, she doesn't really go down very often. And and then literally the next thing I know, they're shouting for me. I was like, I didn't even have time to think about what I was doing really. But I'm kind of glad for that because I think I would have got quite nervous if I had the build up of like, right, get ready, you're going on. Literally, it was just like one minute you're warming up, the next you're running around on the pitch. So I'm kind of glad for me it happened like that. Obviously, it wasn't the best circumstances, but um, yeah, it was a bit of a surreal feeling really afterwards. I just remember thinking what what just happened. <laughs> and Serena Wiegmann last week stated that she's going to be staying with the Lionesses until 2027. How are the players feeling about that? And how are you feeling about that, Coombsy? I think everyone's delighted that Serena staying. She's done so much for the Lionesses and England football already. And it's just super exciting because I think, you know, England really want the World Cup and she's going to get a chance at another one. And I think everyone thinks she's the person to, to get the Lionesses there. Now, I want people to get to know the players that we have coming on. It's not just all football talk. I've seen that you love a little bit of house design. I've seen on your Instagram you've got a page for it. Is that something you've always had a passion for? Yeah, I love it. I love it. It all come about just doing my own house up, really. 
um yeah I started doing my own house and was just like oh I love this and then got on Pinterest then it kind of escalated from there and now I um have a couple of rental properties myself that I rent out and uh, I like doing flips as well so yeah hopefully post football it's something that I can get passionate about when you know I'm missing missing my training days and stuff like that. So Coombsy, you're my first guest on on my brand new show and we're going to call it a new segment we've got, Sarnison's Fire 5. Are you ready for it? Here we go. Nothing too serious, a bit of lightheartedness. Yeah, I'm ready. Best player you've played with? Um, I'm going to go G So Young. Best player you've played against? Um, Caroline Weir. Holiday destination? Um, I love Ibiza. Winning the Champions League or winning the league? And you can't sit on the fence with that one either. Um, I'm going to go Champions League. And last but not least, your favourite movie? The Bodyguard, Whitney Houston. Love it. Oh, that's my favourite movie as well. Love a bit of Kevin Costner, Whitney Houston. No way! Oh, I just sing the whole way through that film. I like to think I can sing, but I can't. But that's my favourite movie, along with Pretty Woman as well. <laughs> All right, Coomzy, thanks so much for being my first guest on my brand new show. Thanks for joining me, mate. Yeah, take care, Levi. And finally, we asked Ali her thoughts on some of the biggest stories in the world of women's football. So, Ali, the Women's World Eleven 2023 was announced at FIFA's Best Awards last week. Seven Lionesses made the cut and only two players who were not in the World Cup final last year were included. The final lineup saw Mary Earps supported by a back line of Lucy Bronze, Alex Greenwood and Olga Komano. Ella Toon, Kira Walsh and FIFA's best player of the year, Aitana Bonmati, made up the midfield. While strikers Sam Kerr, Alex Morgan, Lauren James and Alessia Russo finished off the lineup. Ali, what did you make of this World Eleven and do you feel like anyone missed out on that lineup? Oh, there's so many debates going on around this, and there always will be, but the players voted, so it's really hard to argue against anything. I think it was really exciting that there were some players who made their, their debuts on this list, and the nominations all were, were very, very deserving. I know that Pop had had a great year, also Fridolino Rolfa. Um, you know, I have a, a soft spot for Amanda Ilistet. I think she was so good in the World Cup, and I love I love a defender who scores a lot of goals. Even though I'm like, as a, as a shrimp, I'm like, it's cheating when they score on set pieces. Um, and I also have to give a shout out to Naomi Gurma. I think she had a really really good year, and again, I think she'll be on many many of these lists for years to come. But. There, there are so many players who had great years, and it's hard to pick out 11 who were that consistent for club and country, but I think it's a, a very strong 11. I I would not want to play against them. Yeah, I agree with you. I still think Bunny Shaw, in my opinion, should have been in there. But Bon Matty, right decision for you, best player in the world. What makes her so special, and who did you vote for? I voted for her. Um, I think, again, hearing her teammates speak about her, just what I saw in the World Cup, what she does for a club team as well. I just think that, again, it's about that level and consistency every game for club and country and what she won for club and country. I don't think there's any denying that that she deserved it. And that probably was the one player that, that people weren't, weren't debating. So that's good. No, I think she just... Yeah, both feet, and I know has worked hard to, to be able to, to do that. And 
just her vision and always being available, always wanting the ball. That's someone who I can imagine is a very, very incredible player to have on your team. Well, that's your lot for today. Thanks so much for joining us. I'll be back next Monday for another instalment of the Women's Football Show, where we'll be discussing the Women's Champions League fallout.